And we start this week on Culture File with the first in a new series of stories about scent and memory from the writer and critic Orit Gatt. In this piece, she sets off to explore one of the key smells of her Tel Aviv childhood. Olive oil soap. Chlorine, fresh baked cookies or the salty beach air. I read this list in an article in Scientific American about the relationship between scent and memory that I'm not sure why I clicked on. It's this thing I often do. Try to understand large, abstract notions by absentmindedly Googling them. When I am preoccupied by something, I will Google it, just to see that I'm not alone. I'd read silly lists like nine ways to move on when your heart is broken. I'll scroll through emotional descriptions, ways of seeing how other people describe or explain the world. I still think about one article in The Atlantic titled Why We Cry on Planes that I read back in 2013. It read, Crying, whether happy or sad, is the external result of an internal body shift when the sympathetic nervous system gives up control of the body. Of course, it is also an external body shift. You're moving through the world, perhaps too quickly. I read these things because their language often feels suggestive and weird to me. It's functional lingo, but because I'm searching for something that feels emotional, somehow the words take on an extra load. I'm reading, writing, thinking about scent and memory, but I do not need multiple scientific articles about the relationship between scent and memory. I already know. Still, I dwell on the language and word choices. In Nature magazine, I read about how the sense of smell is specific, which helps to explain how our smell memories can be so precise. In Scientific American, that list with chlorine and beach air and cookies, which feels like it describes multiple lives. I started thinking about scent and memory because I was looking to explore something about language, nouns, the meaning of experience and emotion. Instead, I found everything I remember myself. A bar of soap from childhood, the smell of a hallway I have not walked down in years, a bottle of perfume now sold cheaply on eBay, the way an artwork smells, how green tea may be described, the scrambling for description, a memory, a feeling, a sense of the past. And that feels worth telling. But I'll start with the soap. When I lived in Brooklyn, I used to take my American friends on tours of Sahadi's, the Middle Eastern grocer on Atlantic Avenue. I'd explain what Zatal's spice mixture is, a kind of Palestinian thyme, fragrant and often mixed with sesame seeds. I'd help them pick elastic, salty, braided Armenian cheese, show them which packages of pita bread, tahini, and date molasses I thought were best. Next to the tahini and date molasses shelf was one of the very few non-food items I would pick up there, olive oil soap. I can't remember the brand name, only remember that it came wrapped in stiff, dark green paper, identical in color to the bars themselves. I can smell it as I'm typing, remember what it felt like to stand at the busy shop and hand over a bar to a friend, see their faces shift in surprise as they brought it close to their noses. People often describe things, perfume, laundry detergent, candles, as smelling like soap. I know what they mean. A white, fresh, perhaps clean scent, but that's not soap. To me, soap is olive oil soap. It's salty, earthy, a bit sour. It does smell like laundry, but only because when I was a child, we used to hand wash our clothes with it. Olive oil soap is multi-purpose. It's used for cleaning with a damp cloth brushed against a big square bar kept by the kitchen sink, for showering, for laundry. My grandmother used to say it was the best beauty product. 
which I looked down at as a teenager, preferring instead products that emulated Western brands, like a shampoo called Hawaii that was everywhere when I was a kid. When I was young, going to a Tel Aviv grocery store meant having just one kind of each product. There was one type of cottage cheese, and the same dairy also made the milk. There were two options, 1% and 3%, and both came in plastic bags, as did the chocolate milk the children drank for breakfast. Bread was only white or brown and came sliced and packaged, or it was bags of fragrant pita from the bakery down the road. Shampoo was Hawaii and soap was olive oil soap, unbranded and unpackaged, sold by the unit out of a box of rectangular bars. Every kid brought the same lunch to school, a half pita bread with hummus and a pickle, a half pita bread with chocolate for the picky eaters. But it all changed quite quickly. A succession of right-wing neoliberal governments, a flow of money into the economy, a desire for the kind of plenty that people saw when they traveled to Europe, to the United States. By the time I was a teenager, the shops offered almost everything. Even the olive oil soap was rebranded. It was all natural, local, artisanal. And then I moved to the West. Going to Sahadis with my mates, I wondered if I was self-exoticizing, but I felt like my growing up was so different from my friends, and I had to somehow explain it by showing something that was mine, by sharing it. And I think back to how I was as a teenager, buying Hawaii shampoo, snickering when my grandmother exalted the benefits of olive oil soap. I didn't like it because it felt local, familiar, and I was young, and all I wanted was new and different and very far away. Now that I've lived half my life away from where I'm from, I go to a natural health food store in London to buy olive oil soap. The earthy, dark green scent of it filling the shower with a sense of where I was from, which is very far away. Everything that is familiar is new to me now. Orit Gat there with the first of her scent stories and we'll have the next of those in a fortnight's time. Coming up tomorrow, composer Emma O'Halloran on her L.A.-bound operas Mary Motorhead and Trade.